Amen, and thank you all once again for having me to come to the great city of Bellevue, Nebraska. I come here with, with both you, with you guys, uh, feeling good, but yet feeling bad at the same time. Nebraska gave it their all on yesterday. <laughs> and so did UT. We all tried, but we all came up short. Just a reminder to always look away from Nebraska and UT to Christ, where we're always victorious. Amen. Amen. Uh, it, was, it, it was a sad day, a sad day on uh, yesterday. But man, I stand here t today with joy, knowing that, man, we serve a loving and victorious uh, Savior. It, it has indeed been a pleasure over the past three to four years getting to know uh, Paul and Chris, and yet I want we from Cedar Hill, Texas, want to thank you guys for your support financially and spiritually. It means the world to us knowing that a church in Nebraska cares for and loves for a church down in South Dallas. So we thank you all so much for your kind hearts for, for, for Christ and for his kingdom. This morning, I'll be in Romans chapter 8. As said before, some call this the greatest chapter in the Bible. And maybe you're asking, well, how can such a claim be made by one book of the Bible when God himself is great and the Bible is great? Well, when you search from the book, uh, when you search from front to back, Genesis to Revelations, I am hard, uh, I, I, I'm begging you that you'll be hard-pressed to find one chapter that, that, that explains so well and how much of what God has did for us in Christ. There's not a chapter in the Bible that does such a, a thorough job of explaining all what God has done for us in our elder brother, Jesus. And so with that, listen up. One thing, one thing. If you do find a chapter in the Bible that does that well, or better, when I come back, if I do, I will personally take you to uh, 801 Grill, or Grill 801. I was there on yesterday evening, and man, my, 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 my. Oh, my, my, my. I will go, I will be back there when I come back, Amen. So with no further ado, let me pray for myself and for our time, and we'll get into God's word this morning. God, we come needy. We come desperate. We come as spiritual beggars to a God who was a source of life and joy and peace. We, God, we come asking that in this moment, in this time, that you would speak to your sons and daughters. And if there's one here who is a lost son and daughter, that he would come to know you as father, as Abba, as daddy this morning. 
We pray for a great manifestation of your spirit in his work. God, that he would make clear and plain your word. God, that we would grow even in this moment, God, in our love for you and for each other. Do it so by the power of your spirit. I ask in your son's name, amen. Every believer is and will struggle with sin. Every believer, don't care where you live, how smart you are or how smart you're not, don't care what you drive, don't care what house you live in, what job you have. Every believer is and will struggle with some sin. But every believer would not be condemned by that sin of those sins. It's this glorious paradox that we'll see in a minute of how we're saved from sin, but we still sin. And yet we're not condemned by any sin. I don't know about you, but that's, that's good news to me. I've been married now for eight, for now 15 years. We celebrated 15 years on last week. Amen, amen. Amen. And, and for the first year and a half, man, and, and, and because I, 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 I believe the gospel so deeply, I can share it now freely. The first year or two of our marriage, I, 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 was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was single, but yet I had a thing for a particular girl that I was wanting to marry, and we broke it off, and I had this lingering emotional thing for her. And I took this thing into my marriage, and here I am, I'm with my wife, but I'm longing for another woman. Just emotionally, I'm in this, I, I'm in this thing that I'm, I'm, I'm going to counseling, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing the sin, but I'm still struggling with this thing. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just struggling. And then I saw how much it hurt my wife. I saw how, how much it, 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 it affected her heart and, and her emotions. And man, about, about, about into year three or four, man, God got me into a real good spot with that, man, where I was finally free from that, but I was still dealing with the shame and guilt that came from that. And it wasn't until I really believed the text today that I began to walk in freedom. The hurt, the pain that I caused my wife, I had to really believe that. Man, she, she kept saying, D, I forgive you, I forgive you, but I could not forgive myself. I kept condemning myself, playing this narrative in my head over and over and over again. I wonder how could Paul pen these words, knowing his past, having once killed Christians for a living, bounding up men and women and kids, having them slaughtered because they called on Christ. And yet Paul, he's, 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 he's writing this, this robust letter to the church of Rome, and, and, and midway in chapter 8, he has the audacity to say this uh, about Jesus. 
and those who follow him. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no judgment, no damnation and sentence for those who are in Christ Jesus. Read it again. Therefore, now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I say that and I get little amens. <laughs> I don't hear y'all responding to God's word. Or do you really believe that, man, there is now no condemnation for your sins who are in Christ? That, 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 that we never have to worry about God facing the punishment of God ever again. Now and forever. But before I delve into this, this verse, you see the word therefore. Therefore, it's there for a reason. Many believe that in order to go forward in Romans 8, you have to go back to Romans 1 through 7. Now, for time's sake, and hoping that I will be invited again, I won't do yet. Amen. I'm going to be nice this morning. But I do want to look at two particular texts to give context to this verse. Just two. One in Romans 5 and one in Romans 7. Look what Paul says in Romans 5, verse 12, and then verse 17 and 18. Paul pens, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in the same way death spread to all people because all sinned. Jump down to verse 17. If by one man's sin, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. Here's, here's Paul's big point. Because of the, Adam had one job. Hey, you got know, one job. One job. That tree over there, Adam don't eat from it. Sin had not been in the world yet. Adam, you got one, you got one cockeyed job. Don't eat of that tree. And this man, called the first Adam, he ate, so he actually disobeyed God, so he sinned against God. And because Adam was then our federal head, he actually, so he, he was the one man that actually, that actually, he represented you and I then. So because of his choice then, sin reigned through all men. All men. And the judgment of that sin is death. Through one man, Adam, our federal head, sin has now passed to all men. That, that sin has been both ascribed and attributed, not because of your doing. What the Bible said is that because Adam did it, you now did it. 
And because of that, we are all born condemned. We're all born worthy of death. I was in the hospital a couple of years back. I am the grandfather of two. Yes, I know. Yes, I am a sinner of sins. Amen. Uh, I'm 47. My son is 30. And at this time, my son, he had our grandson, uh, Nixon, Nixon King, Nixon King Valentine. Man came through, man, man came through. I, I held my grandson and I said, man, what a beautiful and handsome sinner. <laughs> he's small, he's handsome, but I give you a year, you'll learn how to lie. Give you two, you'll learn how to deceive both mom and dad. Give you three, you will deceive granddad for a lifetime. <laughs> and it's proven to be truth. At the age of two, he's lying. <laughs> Putting stuff where he shouldn't, he's sneaking. Because the Bible says in Rome, in, in Psalm, that, that we're all born in, in sin and we're shaped in, in iniquity. Like, man, that, that because of Adam, man, that's, that's the lot of all of us. And so I want us all to be cool with, with knowing that the person next to you, behind you, in front of you is a sinner in need of Christ all the time. And that should free you to confess sin because you, you do sin. You were conceived in sin. But maybe you say, well, man, this is not. Man, I've been saved for a while. I got the Bible down, man. I, I'm good. But here is the truth. Though we, we've been born again from sin, we still continue to sin because sin still lives in us. Look at Paul. So, so, so look at what Paul says here in Romans 7. Paul writes in Romans 7, verses 14 on down, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do. But I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin in my, uh, sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me. Let's, let's pause. There is nothing good that lives in any of us except the one who is good. He says there is, there is nothing, that, uh, uh, nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to, to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. I got this desire, man, but I keep... I, I call it, I call it sinitis. You just can't help but sin. Here's Paul post-conversion. He, 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 he says, he says, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Is that not our plight all the time? 
Now, if I do what I want to do not want uh, to do, I am no longer the one who does it. But it is, he says, it is the sin that lives in me. Every Christian has God and sin living in them at, at, at the same time. God and sin. God the Spirit and this old sinful nature lives in all of us. Verse 21, so I discovered this law. That when I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. Man, ain't that true? Every time I wanted to do good, I, I got this dude trying to get me to do evil. Keep going. Then Paul says, for in my inner self, I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, raging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin and the parts of my body. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am. And who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Now, like I said before, and many people, and there are many commentators that said this is Paul uh, uh, before his conversion. That this is not Paul's, but this is not Paul after being saved, after, after seeing Christ in Acts chapter 9. But I want to submit to you, just looking at verse 21 and 22, that that cannot be true. In verse 21, it says, so, uh, so I discovered this law that when I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. Then look what he says in verse 22. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. Now, I don't know about you, but before I came to Christ, I had no delight in God's word, no, no God. I wanted nothing to do with God. But Paul is saying here, for in my inner self, I delight in God's law. Let me submit to you this. Paul is only delighting in God's perfect law because he has been delivered by God's perfect son. His delight comes from his, his deliverance. So because he's been delivered by Christ, he now delights in the law that points to Christ. And you see here in verse 24 where Paul says, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with the flesh, uh, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul, delivered by sin, yet still struggling with sin, is the Christian's normal walk. And, and, and we've gotten to a place like confess. You know, I go, to, I, I frequent a lounge in Cedar Hill. And at this lounge is, is, is this guy named Bob. Bob uh, is a vocal atheist. He is the manager of this lounge 
and she the heal. When I joined this lounge, you know, uh, I'll I, I be playing dominoes. Y'all listen, 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 every once in a while when I'm playing dominoes, I get, I, I get beside myself. You know, I, I, I tend to take off this pastor's hat and, 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 and being a son of Christ's hat and I become your enemy. And in me becoming your enemy, there are words that tend to slip out that that shouldn't. Amen. So, so Bob was in one to Bob the word that I can't repent, fellas. Man, I'm sorry for using such words because that does not represent Jesus. Forgive me. Bob began to see this pattern. He said, "Man, I know you're a Christian." I heard you a preacher, but I never heard sinners saying they're sorry for their sins. He said, man, is that normal for you? I said, yeah, it is. It's probably too normal, amen. It's probably too normal. He said, Valentine, if you don't mind, can I come Come on. Come on, Bob. Come on, Bob. Bob came one Sunday, the first Sunday, and has missed only four Sundays since. And what Bob is doing is bringing his agnostic friends with him, and they hear me often confessing my sins in the pulpit. I'm only trying to model for what we all should be doing. Because nobody in this room is perfect. The problem is, man, we, we, we really can't glory in this truth found in verse 1 until we realize, man, that, that, that though I'm a sinner struggling in sin, I'm still your, and you say in verse 1 that you will never condemn me. It says in verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to what this means. It means to have no condemnation declared to you means to have a not guilty verdict handed down to you for every sin. He said, go back to your past sins. The sins prior to, to you knowing me. Let's talk about your sins presently. Let's even talk about your sins in the future. Listen, when we stand before our Father, what we're here from Him because we're in Christ, not guilty. For every one of our, and boy, I know I did some sentence and sentence. I, I sin, 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 sin. But to stand before a holy God in here, not guilty. Not guilty. To, to hear or to have the card, no con condemnation, also means there is no sentence to be given to you. No sentence. No time. Just time with me. Never time apart from me. That's, 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 that's. And here is, here is the big thing. To hear the words, no condemnation, and, and to really believe them. Here is the part that most Christians are dealing with now. 
It means there is no need for you to walk around with shame and guilt because of your sin. See, if you really believe that, that, that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, in particular you, why are you still walking around with, with sin that God in Christ says, not guilty? You're like, not guilty. You're free from it. I will see in a minute. I became, I became, I became your guilt offering. Now, now, everyone can't say this now. It's only those who have thrown themselves at the mercy of Christ at the cross and by his spirit has, has, been, has been placed into Christ and into his body to enjoy this glorious, eternal truth of no condemnation. And it starts now. We, we enjoy this now and forever. Those who are in union with Christ enjoy this spiritual blessing until he calls you home or he returns. No condemnation. Now, I don't know who you are, but you came in having shame still. There's some things that, 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 that did not please God. And you're feeling a certain kind of way. You got this, this shame and the edge of the morning causes you to cry or to doubt if you are in Christ. You, you got this, this, this shame and, and, and now you're even in fear of your future. Will you actually be with God when you die? The question is, are you in Christ? And your sin can't outdo the work of Christ. The once the Father puts you in his hand, that's a done deal. The once the Spirit seals you, that's a done deal. It's done. You can't outsend his forgiveness. And you can't outsend your placement in Christ. It's forever. But it's only for those who are in Christ. Now, let me run through this briefly and just say why. Why is it that? Though we sin, I don't have to worry about being condemned for sin. Here's my quick answer, and we'll see it in verse 4. Because, here it is, God condemned Jesus for you. That you won't ever be condemned by God ever again. Let me, let me, let me, let me just say it again. God condemned Jesus, his only perfect son, for imperfect people so that we who are imperfect, who are now made that way in Christ, would never have to deal with God's condemnation. Look here, look, look here what it says in verse 3. For what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin and the flesh by sending his own son and the likeness, and the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. What we see here, and man, I think one guy said, man, the gospel can be summed up in this. 
is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And what you see here is God, he's, he's, he's sending his son. You, you, you have the incarnation, you have God becoming flesh to actually be condemned for our sins. But in his incarnation and in, in God becoming flesh, he was born without the original sin. He wasn't, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't born through Adam. He was born by God himself. We, we see him, and, and this is the miracle of his birth, that God came in the flesh without man being involved, but he came to save man. So what, so what, so what we do see is that Jesus came through a womb like all of us. He bled like all of us. He was tired like, like, like all of us. He was tempted like us, but he didn't sin like us. For 33 and a half years, he walked in complete obedience to Christ. So here it is. He was sent to be sentenced to death by his father for our sins. And God did it in the flesh. Look what it says in Isaiah. Isaiah uh, in Isaiah it says, yet the law was pleased. This is Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet the law was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a good offering, he will see his seed, he will prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. God was pleased. But at what? His pleasure was to condemn our sin by crushing his son so that we'll never be crushed by him. I, I think we, we see gospel truths in the Bible and, we, and we, don't, man, we don't feel the weight of it. Jesus was crushed for you. He took the punishment that you deserved, he took it for you. I don't know how, I don't know how to, how to picture it, man, but let's think of a wine press and the grapes being crushed by this big boulder. So you got, so you got, you got, you got, you got, you got, you got Christ taking all of our sins and facing the eternal wrath. The boulder is our, is, is our sin. Christ is under it. And he's literally been crushed down by his Father. And it pleases the Father so that we can be reconciled to the man. This, this is great news to me. Because I know I've done some things that I deserve. My wife would crush me if she found out. Think about it. You've committed sins you ain't told nobody, but God knows. And God says, even those sins are crushed. I crushed him for those sins. Why? Why? Christ was condemned for our sins that we can be controlled by Christ, that we could actually please God. And, and we see that in verse 4, and now I'm done. Verse 4 says this. Verse 4 says, 
In order that the law's requirements would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Here it is. Christ, again, 33 years, he lived a, a perfect life. He obeyed every ordinance, every statute, every word that came from God. So here, as a Christian, being in Christ, his perfect obedience is now given to us. That, 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 God, this should amaze you. That no matter what you do, because you are in Christ, the Father sees Christ first and says, you are holy still. You are perfect. You have fulfilled the law, not you, but the one you in has for you. That's good news. So no matter what we're doing, how long we're doing, if you're in Christ, you are, you are, you are as holy as Jesus. He loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. It does not change. He loves you the same. No, 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 no. So, so because it's been fulfilled, he said that it's only to those who walk or who have and who walk according to the Spirit. Here it is. Now that we have the Spirit and when we walk according to the Spirit, we fulfill the law. We have help. We don't live under it. We now delight as Paul did in fulfilling and obeying the law. Now, how do I know that we are doing this? Two things. When we live to glorify God, and y'all, now I'm done. How do you know you're living to, to glorify God? How do you know that you are walking according to the Spirit? How do you know? How, how do I know that? Let me tell you, lean in some. You know you're walking according to the Spirit when there is a desire, number one, for you to grow in God's love for you. If you have no desire to grow in God's love for you, you are not walking according to the Spirit. If you're not desiring to love God with your all, that desire. It's the Spirit putting in the desire in you to do that. So when you're walking according to the Spirit, there's this desire for you to love God with your all, and that's an everyday thing. But here's the other part of this, and the part that's tricky. You know you're walking according to the Spirit. Here it is. When you're willing to love me, like you love yourself. Think about that. You know, and I, and I know where I'm at. I know I'm in Nebraska. I know where I'm at. I know. But location does not change God's commandment. If you are in Christ, you are given the opportunity by his spirit to love me just like you love yourself. And if you don't, you're not walking according to the spirit. Ponder that song. 
Had God not condemned you in Christ to be controlled by the Spirit to do two things, to love him with your all and to love your neighbor as you love yourself? The answer is yes. Do you struggle with loving me because of how I look? How I dress? Where I'm from? How I talk? You struggle with loving me? If so, man, there is, there is grace. There is grace. That's why Christ fulfilled what we couldn't fulfill. That's why Christ came and did what we could not do. So we get the chance until he returns to practice until he returns. So I'm going to stop just for a moment man, and just have you to just, to just to bow your head or, uh, or, or, uh, or leave it up. But I want, me, I want now just you to, to, to invite the Spirit of God right now. God, just ask, ask him just to do some, do some work in your heart, to examine your, your heart. We, we, we glory that, God, there is no condemnation. But that's there so that you can now, that we can now be controlled by your Spirit. And the Bible says that love, it, it fulfills the law. It's this love for you and love for others. And John says, if we say we love you, but don't love the one whom we see, we'll lie. It's all about loving God and loving each other. Are you struggling this morning? Yes, the truth of no condemnation is for all who are in Christ. But it's also calling us to walk according to the Spirit. Looking at verse 4. God, will you just work in the room? We can't say we love you and don't love Valentine like we love ourselves. And Valentine can't say that he loves you and not love those in his room, in this room, like he loves himself. But God, that's a journey. That's a process. That is something we submit to and learn as we walk according to your spirit daily. So we pray now, God, that you would fill us all with, with your spirit. Paul commands us not to be drunk with, with wine, but to be filled with, with the spirit over and over and over again, that we can walk according to your spirit and love you with our all and love each other as we love ourselves. Is there somebody at your job, on your, on your block, that you're not loving because you're not walking according to the Spirit? Right now, the Holy Spirit is doing a checkup in our hearts. 